Hey, it's Jordan Johnson, and you are listening to The Grove Podcast. We are excited to have our friend Brooke Lidgerwood on today's episode. Brooke is a worship leader and songwriter with Hillsong Worship, and so many of her songs fill our churches and homes daily. She and her husband, Scotty, and their two girls live in Southern California and serve with Hillsong Church LA. And today we get to listen in on a conversation Brooke shared with Shelly as they discuss life in quarantine, pressing into discontentment, and what it is to really celebrate each other as well as ourselves. So here's Shelly Giglio with Brooke Lidgertwood. How are you guys surviving these days? How are you feeling with small children in your home and tight quarters and sort of all the things that go with that? You guys doing okay? I seriously have nothing. I have zero complaints. We um, are obviously in compliance with um, all the ordinances of our county. um, And under those ordinances, um, I'm actually considered an essential worker, I think, because perhaps like LA and OC is like a kind of a studio town. Um, So because I work out of a studio, I am allowed to come here. And because I am considered an essential worker, I'm allowed to have help with the kids. So um, honestly, I find myself in a very, very blessed position, which I um, I don't take for granted in a second. So yeah, I'm able to come out kind of to a workplace, um, zone in, get focused, get things done and then have family time. So um, yeah, I feel very, very, very Listen, some of the stuff you've been just Instagramming and some of the moments of worship that we've had together, me from way over here and you from way over there have been so profound and moving and such a gift, I think, to the body. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Oh, thank you and Louie. I mean, I am loving, all of us are loving everything. Just watching um, the way that you guys are responding in this season, you know, as as leaders and as a house, like as Passion City Church, it's been so beautiful. And so um, thank you for doing everything that you guys are doing and the way that you're doing it. Well, I love seeing the church come to life. You know, we talk a lot around here about it's one thing for the church to be gathered, and obviously we all miss that moment of being in the same proximity to each other and sort of um, collectively saying to God, you're everything to us, having God say back over us, you belong to me, and, you know, there's never a chance that you'll be outside of my love. Those moments are so profound in worship, and I miss them, you know, I really miss that collective moment, but then seeing the church come to life and, and be scattered and bright and serving, like Louis calls it serving small, you know, taking what we do have in our hands and trying to do something effective with it. And to me, it's so life-giving and so much the future, I think of every house, you know, not just of our house, but of every house of the church at large, it is our future to watch God use us in that way. And Seems like the city and cities of the world are being so positively impacted by the church in this moment, and yes, I don't know if so that's stunning. always true. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, whose um, whose whose parents are pastors, and um, he was having a conversation with his parents, and he was saying, you know, how many times have you guys said over the years, I wish we could just, you know, pause services um, just for just for a moment, so that we could have time to regroup and really look at everything, and you know, like God's giving us this moment, um, this 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 time to really um, to really expose our root systems and figure out what needs to be pruned, what needs to grow deeper, what needs to be strengthened what we don't need anymore but we were perhaps clinging to yeah like it's a real um it's a real reimagining moment and if we can we as the church can press into this moment um reimagining with the lord <laughs> lord what do you imagine for your church in the season in the seasons to come i think um something 
so powerful is going to come out of this. It already is, but yeah. um, who knows what's on the other side of this if, if we if we really press in. Yeah. How do you do that? I mean, I feel like we all have different versions of what pressing in looks like and what that means and how we try to figure out how to lay what we have in front of God and say, hey, what do you want us to keep and what actually needs to go? And um, yeah. What, what do you think your version, not just as a housewife, not just with Hillsong Church, but how do you feel like you personally or are evaluating some of those things and how do you think you'll come out the other side different? Yeah, um, I think we've really been um, looking at, talking through and praying about um, what are what are some of the things that we've we've always done this way, you know, quote marks, always done this way right. um, and, and why, why, why have we always done those things this way and um and is it is it is that just the way it is or is that a wineskin and I think that's a theme that's been recurrent for me throughout um my my life is is um asking the Lord to just show me um to to, to speak to me about the wineskins in other words I mean that could be methods it could be mindsets it could be systems it could be um ways of communicating it could be language um but what are the things that um we've been using um which are which are good things but maybe are, are seasonal um and so what are the things that we need to perhaps um discard or set aside for a time or maybe forever um in order to in order to embrace maybe a new wineskin that the Lord yeah. can pour pour new wine and new power through um so it's really a lot of conversation and and for me as well I think a lot of um just really laying down defensiveness I think um when things have worked for a long time you can get defensive of them you know um so so really coming at this season without preconceptions of um how God works and how he doesn't right. or um or, or 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 I think um perhaps another golden calf in um perhaps when it comes to ministry or I guess any kind of identity as a community is this is who we are. Um, I think, you know, who we are, um, we really need to be able to um, examine that honestly, I think, in this time and um, and and kind of distill um, who are we really and um, what what are the ways that we can pivot in this time while still while still um, holding fast to our core values, but not but ultimately being devoted to Jesus and everything else being up for grabs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's a um, you know a harder thing to do than it sounds like it should be. I think what we mm-hmm. what we yeah. what we learn as routine sort of becomes a crutch. And we just yeah. go through rhythms. And, you know, Jesus talked so specifically, I think, in the Gospels about religion and how the striving and uh, creating a way to God or that God would be pleased with how we act is um, a form of religion. And Jesus is so clear about how he came to do away with that, how that's not, <clears throat> that's not the way that we relate with God anymore and it's not what we're doing to earn affection or attention or any of the things that we think we're doing. And I love that he speaks so clearly to it because it feels like it frees us from carrying that familiar thing that we have to have as a crutch. And yeah. I, I feel like I love the way the church has been over the last centuries, but I also know that God has something unique for us in these days. And I think without proper evaluation and a willingness to open our hands and say, God, you came up with the ideas that we're currently thinking are so normal. Mm -hmm. You know, you're the one who created how the church looks right now. 
So why wouldn't I trust you by opening my hands and saying, recreate it again for these days? And don't let me just depend on what you've done before as being the answer for now. And certainly there are core values. Please don't misunderstand that need to be held, you know, that I think we Mm -hmm. have to, um, you know, make sure that we stay in connection with God in certain places. Certainly Jesus and loving him, following him is our core. But man, everything else, like you're saying, is seems like it's a, it's an optional thing at this point, and we need to consider that. And I love that yeah. we can, and I love that sometimes God gives us periods of time where we almost have to. Yeah, and I just I've been thinking as well so much about you know how the different ways that God has prepared us and um, and kind of spoken to us about what was to come without us even realizing it, and and specifically, you know, um, Scotty and I, <clears throat> Scotty, my husband and I made the best decision ever, which was to begin our year um, at Passion with you guys. Seems unreal um, that we actually had that. That is a crazy <laughs> thought right now that there were sixty five thousand right? of us in a building. I'm like, what like, in the world? Tightly, tightly packed. I know, but you know, I th- I've been, I've thought so often, um, especially the past month or so, about about what was spoken to us there, and you know, Louis' message being turn the page. Yes. Like turn turn the yeah. page, and then Levi um, Levi Lasko giving that incredible message about like spent so time digging into American history right. and talking about you know coming and talking about the Dust Bowl and about about then the Green Belt. Um, and I'm thinking that this is all so significant. And then the message that you brought, Shelley, um, was I think all of it was so timely, and without us even realizing, it was preparing the ground for okay. us being ready. For us being for us being open and um, and being ready for God to turn the page um, in His church and in this country and in the nations of the world, it's it's a really special time in history, and I'm kind of pinching myself that I get to be alive during it, honestly. And I I can't wait to see. I think in years to come we will marvel at this time and at these days and at what the Lord did in us. And then what was to come in the subsequent years? Um, the history pages will record it, and I, I just want to be on the on the right side of history. You know, I want to dig into what God is doing, and I want to be a co-laborer with this thing because it's it's pretty important. I think. Yeah, I think the prophetic nature of what happened in Passion in those days, and you know, whether we knew it or not, God was preparing and speaking some things out and into being that we would learn to operate in. And I love that He does that. I also love that He did it in a collected way. And obviously we can do passion and connect to people all over the world. And there's ways we've learned through technology that we can all be connected. Certainly we can. But man, there was something mm-hmm. so holy ground about being in that space together. And even That's the memory cool. of it makes me long for the gathering again of people. And it's not that it's um, that's the only way it can happen and that's the only way God can speak. I don't believe that. I believe God's using mm. this moment right now where you're in California and I'm in Atlanta to profoundly speak some things into people's lives. He uses what's available to make much of his kingdom if we'll allow him to. But I also Amen. think that it makes me long for days that we can have a collected moment as well to be able to voice yeah. back to God as a unit, as earth, as people who love and believe and trust and follow him that we think he's everything. And Man, yeah. what powerful days to set this year onto its course for us. So I'm so grateful Seriously. you guys were a part of it. So, so beautiful how he does that in history. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things I love about you, Brooke, is that you're a deep well. And you would probably not say that about yourself, although I think all of us who watch and know you would. You read, you study, you, um, you don't want to just know what we believe. You want to know the why. 
And it's so inspiring to me. You've recommended books to me. You've, we've talked a lot about deep spiritual things over time. But I think you teach us that it's important that we understand um, not just what is handed to us, but why it's important. What are some of the ways that you've pressed yourself? Very kind. <laughs> it's true. What are some of the ways that I think you've pressed yourself to be a person? Obviously, you're strung up that way. God's created you to be that inquisitive and to want to understand the whys. But what do you think some of the other disciplines are that you've created inside yourself to help you understand those things as well? Yeah. The more you know Jesus, I think the more you, you want to know him um, is, the, is, the, is the simple answer, I think. Um, just the more that I, the more that I get to know this saviour of ours, uh, the more my hunger grows to know more. And, um, and I... I just want to know him as much as I can, the side of eternity. Um, I think that there's so much more available to us um, than we tap into oftentimes. And that's not to say that we become kind of disconnected from our humanity or from being kind of grounded in, in the mission that we have, um, the side of eternity here on earth. But um, I think, yeah, just this this Jesus of ours, um, he is a mystery yeah. <laughs> and he's... He is so full of um, beauty and he's untamed um, and he's kind, but he's stern. Um, well, he's all of these things and um, I just I just want to know him more. And, um, yeah, that's all I can really put it down to. And the more, the more that I know him, the more that I hunger to know him more. <laughs> yeah. Well, it drives you, I think, but it also feels like to me that somewhere underneath all that desire – is a commitment to the discipline of knowing and understanding. And I agree that God has so much of himself for us to know, and as such, the invitation is so wide open to us. Like, I want you to know me. Please press into me. You'll, you'll never find the end of what you are trying to discover. I am endless, and you can literally spend day and night consuming yourself with me, and you will never, I will never be consumed, I believe. I really yeah. believe that's true of God. But I also understand that sort of for us to do that, that we have to have a mentality that we want to do that. And I think where the church mm -hmm. lacks sometimes its um, fervor is in discipline, is just in figuring mm -hmm. out, you know what, I do have an invitation. It is open to me, but I need to structure my will, my mind, my heart, and my will to go for that. And that there's mm -hmm. great value at the end of that discovery. And I think for you, when you find the value in it, it pushes you back to the discipline. And when you start the discipline, it pushes you to the value and that those two things are constantly in play. And I just see them all through your life. And I don't know how you can articulate it, but I know that I learn a lot from you in that regard. Oh my gosh, I, I learn everything from you, Shelley. <laughs> That's not Let true. Let me sit at your feet. <laughs> but right. you know, I wonder if often, um, if oftentimes we are, we are quick to discard the gift of dissatisfaction. Hmm. I wonder if we um, hmm. we are we are quick to yeah, discard the gift of dissatisfaction, um, not realizing that discontentment or dissatisfaction um, 
is is a gift to push us into what truly satisfies us. Right. And so um, and so I think sometimes we we're dissatisfied or discontent with something, restless about something, upset about something, disturbed by something, and we we only look at the um, the negative side of it or the destructive side of it, I think that can happen in two ways. I think one of it is we can dismiss that and think that it's uh, unholy to feel dissatisfied about something, which isn't actually biblical. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, or that we, um, or that we take it as kind of a personal grind, and we kind of sit and stew on things rather than going. Actually, this is a gift to push me toward what what truly satisfies. So, if I'm dissatisfied with, you know, something in community, rather than um, sit and stew on it, or um, worse than that, go and um, kind of try and work it out with other people in an unhealthy environment um, or in an unhealthy conversation. Like, why not think God? Why not? take that to the Lord and go, Lord, what are you doing? And how do you want me to partner with you in this? Is this something that you need to, um, is this something that you need to correct in me? Mm-hmm. Or if, a, if my dissatisfaction is rooted um, in, a, in a truth that you want to correct on a larger level, um, help me to humble myself and to serve because that's always where it starts, where, where real change starts is when we're willing to, I think, get in, get in the dirt and, and serve and not just sit back and, and, and criticise, which I think would be kind of the, the great flaw and the easy way out of, of the armchair critics or the, um, the Instagram commenters, you know, is to be so quick with an opinion rather than to, um, to take the gift of dissatisfaction, um, to humble ourselves before the Lord and to find the joy in, in serving. Some of the things that I think disturb us the most are the things that we are called to change and we can't change everything but all of us together playing our part being the fingers and the elbows and the toes and the sinews and the joints um you know of of the body of Christ um I think rather than criticize someone for being a blood vessel when we're a toe so we don't understand why other people aren't toes recognizing that um that we each have a a unique and distinct gifting and mission but that all of these work together, this diversity and unity, which means the body will function healthily. Sorry, I went on a massive tangent. I <laughs> love it. That's where I wanted you to go. I feel like you <laughs> you, you sometimes say, well, I'm stumbling for words here, and then you just give us a discord on how beautiful it's supposed to be and work. And I feel like you and Scotty do such a great job of leaning into corporate life. And understanding that you are gifted uniquely, and I believe you and Scotty both are gifted uniquely. I've been watching Scotty post these little things on Instagram that he's been drawing that are so profound and amazing. The guy is so gifted. (laughs) Um, So uniquely gifted, you and he, uniquely gifted, yet you corporately as a family decide to do things together in a very complimentary way. But then you also do that with the church. And I've watched you, um, I've watched people push you to the front wanting you to be the lead in lots of areas and you've held the position well, but you've never taken the glory. You've always given the glory to God in the church. And I, I just think it's remarkable, Brooke. It is, um, I'm going to cry. It's, it's inspiring to watch people actually live what they say they believe. And I'm getting you, I'm getting to see you and Scotty do that in such profound in unique ways, and it's it's beautiful. And then to see the the church, the big C church around the world, respond corporately in worship to songs that have come from those humble places, I just think only God could have done something that beautiful. 
So just be encouraged today that your, <laughs> your voice, your life, your marriage, your um, sacrifice is noticed. And, and not so much just that you, um, that you give a sacrifice of praise, but I think that you give it in a way that is humbly presented, um, that doesn't feel like it's about you at any level. And we see that and we want to model that, I think, in life. You know, we want to be people who can certainly bring our gifts to the forefront and offer them as sacrifices, but not do so in a way that we take away the glory. So thank you. I mean, thank you for being somebody who's an example of that to me. You know, um, we, we all need examples. Um, we need to see it lived. And I think that's why I, I am, I'm always, I, I don't set out to do it, but I somehow always find myself with a, a biography or an autobiography in my hands of just people who have lived this well. Yeah, I need to know two or three of your top ones right now. Yes, we can definitely, we can definitely cover that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, everyone from, you know, Brother Andrew who founded Open Doors, um, you know, take, started smuggling Bibles to the persecuted church. Like his story is incredible. To, at the moment I'm reading... Um, Reinhard, Bonk, Reinhard Bonke living a life of fire, and um, and just and every and I remember a couple of years ago I, I we talked about seven women yeah. um, that that collection of like mini biographies about these women who just live these lives, but there are people who have done it, and I think that we just need to look to the people who have done it yeah. and lived it, and and um, there's you know there's a few of those in 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 our generation, and I you, you know you and Louis are absolutely two of those leaders. I'm so thankful for you you know my own our own senior pastors at Hillsong Brian and Bobby they like they're the real deal you guys are the real deal and um and so um and so I think that's why each generation we have to you know we have to live it so that the next generation will know what it looks like um and so I'm thankful to to you guys for living the way that you have so that we can you know we can we can know how to do it know the steps to take know what it looks like know that it's possible it's awesome thank you for encouraging um, you do need to name two or three other books if you have them in your um, repertoire because you always have such an incredible list. And I, too, love biographies. I think there's something about the real-life story of people's um, not just conquest. I love stories that are victorious, but I also love the, um, the irregular nature of the way it unfolds. I love the ins and outs yes. and ups and downs and pitfalls. <laughs> I, I think it it helps me know that that's just part of what we are enduring right now and that it won't look perfectly and we won't even reach the goal of what we thought we were doing usually. You know, I, I, Mm -hmm. when I look at my life, it's nothing like what I thought it would be like. And it's, it's Mm -hmm. not bad. It's beautiful, but it's not where I thought I was even really headed. And I think that's the beauty of, of somebody's biography is that you learn that they, they too thought they were on mission and most of them that mm-hmm. you want to read about stay true to their mission. But the destination mm-hmm. of where they end up and how it looks and how people process it is so different than what they even believed or thought. And I think yes. that beauty is compelling. It's compelling because mm-hmm. it's like, man, God is writing something way bigger than my imagination. And it just encourages us in that way, yeah. I think. Absolutely. What are two or three others you're really excited about? Anything? Um, I have just started Leap Over the Wall, Leap Over a Wall by Eugene Peterson, yes. um, which is about the life of David. And I am, I mean, I, I'm a huge Eugene Peterson fan. So Same. I'm, I'm loving that. So probably just those. And then um, I read a little, uh, a little tiny, teeny tiny book um, recently, which I actually ended up reading live on my Instagram, which was really random, but I just did it because it was a short book. I love um, it. Called The Price and Power of Revival by Duncan Campbell mm-hmm. about, um, 
the revival in the Hebrides in the 50s, I believe it was. Um, so, so, yeah, I'm always kind of just reading random things that come <laughs> come into my hands somehow. Beautiful. Hey, um, I want to just, we'll finish up in a couple of minutes, but I just wanted to ask you a couple of other things just I think that would be beautiful for you to talk about. One of them is related to your celebration and appreciation for others. I think you celebrate and appreciate people so well. Where did that come from? Uh, <laughs> I, get, I mean, I, I suppose it's something I take for granted a little. I mean, I think, you know, a huge part of that is um, is my church environment. Um, we, we we have an environment at our church of of, of um, of hospitality and of generosity and of celebration and of fun. I think it's the same for you guys at Passion City Church, but, um, you know, but people are worth celebrating. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, that in, in the kingdom, we all, in the kingdom of God, we all need each other. We all have a unique um, part and role and function to play, to, to, to fulfill. Um, and additionally, that we get to have these beautiful relationships. I think, um, I think, you know, there's no, there's no competition in the kingdom of God, um, only, only celebration. Yeah. You might um, need to repeat that because that's a good word right there. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to do what somebody else does. I don't, and because I can't, I can't be somebody else and and nobody else can be, can be me. I think, um, I, I loved, there's a, there's a really short, I can't even remember where I saw it. Um, but I think it's on Instagram, but an interview with um, Eugene Peterson and and Jan, his wife, um, just a couple of years before he passed away, and he was talking about um, I can't remember the exact question, um, but the interviewer asked him, you know, what are something like what are you most proud of in your life, or um, something something along those lines, and he said um, that I've been Eugene. He said That's I haven't so been anybody good. else. I've just I've yeah. been I've been Eugene. Yeah, and uh, and I think it was. Not not this past um, Christmas, but the Christmas before. Um, I was 34, about to turn 35. My birthday is just before Christmas. And so Scotty, my husband, and I decided to just go away to Montana for three days, um, which is where Eugene Peterson um, was born and raised and then pastored in other parts of the country and then returned to Montana. And that's where he, he lived in a little lake house there where he translated the message over a number of years. And um, so, so Scotty and I decided to go to Montana. And um, on the morning of my birthday this never happens but I woke up before really really early before Scotty we'd left the kids at home and um I kind of felt like the Lord was just inviting me into something and um when Scotty woke up I said I feel, let's drive can we drive to to Eugene's lake and um, and so we 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 drove out there to the lake and I don't you know I'm not a complete stalker so I don't know exactly where Eugene lived um but you know I we were in the vicinity the lake. yeah I was in the vicinity you know and um and looking at this lake, the lake that he was looking at while he was, you know, um, paraphrasing these passages about Jesus mm-hmm. walking on the water and mm-hmm. looking at the mountains that Eugene was looking at when he was translating um, the Psalms and, um, you know, stories of Elijah hearing from God and, and um, hidden in the cleft of a rock in a mountain and looking at these same mountains. And I just, I really felt like I... Um, I had an encounter with the Lord there, to be honest, um, by that lake in the morning and... Um, and and I, this, I'm, I don't know how this even relates to what we were talking about, but um, I've, re- I've really felt like um, I had the opportunity to to lay the, the past 35 years at the feet of the Lord and give it to him, all the victories, all the accomplishments, all the failures, all the things that I missed um, and messed up. 
and um, and to kind of to start fresh and give maybe I get another 35, I don't know, maybe it's another 10, 20, 40, 50, but to give the next 35 and um, and to just approach it with a with an innocence and a simplicity and and really um, just I walked away from from the lake that morning just um, determining and resolving again that if I was going to be anything in my life, I, I want to be just a friend of Jesus. Mm. Um, and I, I, I remember reading about, um, I did a little study about Lazarus last year and kind of um, and tried to do a little bit of research into, you know, what happened to Lazarus after Jesus, um, after Jesus raised him from the dead and, you know, what he went on to do and observed all these things about Lazarus's life both before he died and was raised um, by Jesus and then afterwards. Um, and I loved that um, apparently um, tradition says that a he went on to become a, a pastor and a missionary in another part of the world and um and was was a deacon and, and and pastored people throughout his life but then he was laid to rest and um on his tomb apparently um it just said here 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 lies Lazarus a friend of Jesus that's so powerful and I thought if that's if that's you know if that's um what will be written either literally or figuratively on my tomb mm. um, at the end of my life that I was a friend of Jesus, mm. then that is so much more than enough for me. Yes. Um, last question that I would love to ask you is just related to one of the most encouraging things you've seen in this season of quarantine. Anything you've seen anybody do or uh, be to anyone that you thought that's one of the most inspiring things, I'll never forget that. It kind of ties into what I've been reading with Eugene Peterson and Leap Over the Wall and David, but I think um, perhaps for us at this time in history, we're understanding that we're <laughs> maybe more than ever that that we are all ministers, and um, mm-hmm. in the kingdom of God, the the lay people are the clergy, and the clergy are the lay people. Like the Lord has called us to be a kingdom of priests. You know, those are his exact words, that we are all ministers to the Lord and to each other. I think Priscilla Shira actually put it on her Instagram um, a, a week or so ago, and I remember sitting in my office watching this and crying, but it was the testimony of um, a man. He sounded Irish. I'm not sure if he was in Ireland or not. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but... I didn't see he it. He had been really... He, he, it's, I mean, it'll, it will destroy you. Yeah, I'll but go he, look at he, it and weep, was, um, I'm sure. Yeah, I know. I, I seriously, I was, I was a mess. He, um, he became really sick with COVID-19. He was in hospital and obviously, you know, his family couldn't be with him. No, Like you said, no one could be with him. No one could touch him. No one could encourage him. And this guy was a, a Christian man. And he said, um, he said every now and again, um, the only person who was allowed to come into his room other than the nurses or the doctors was this cleaner. And he said it was this, this cleaner who would come in and mm. just, um, just smile at him and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay, and I'm I'm going to mess up the story. Everyone should go and check it out themselves. I'll but basically, he talked about how what how the cleaner um, struck up this conversation with him, and it turned out that the the cleaner um, and the cleaner stood in the doorway and talked to this guy and said, you know, you're going to be okay, um, you're going to recover, and just encouraged this guy, mm-hmm. but talked to him about a little bit about history. This cleaner was formerly a missionary mm-hmm. in another part of the world and had come back to wherever they were, whether it was Ireland or wherever, and had gotten a job cleaning. And the Lord sent in. This, this man is weeping as he said, the Lord sent me a cleaner to lift my eyes, to encourage me. And then the funniest thing was um, he, he then went on to have a, and, and the cleaner prayed for him. And um, he went on to have um, 
kind of quite a difficult night, this guy in hospital, and and in the middle of the night he found himself saying, Lord, um, if I could just have a bag of prawn chips and a can of Diet Coke, it would encourage me so much. Amazing. <laughs> and he said, which is so specific, right, a, yep. a, can of, a bag of prawn chips and a Diet Coke, a can of Diet Coke. He said the next day this cleaner um, again came into his room and said, I thought you could use these and handed him no. <laughs> a bag of prawn chips and a so can of Diet Coke. beautiful. <laughs> and just the way that the Lord is, um, has positioned Specific. all of these people. Yes. And we're realizing that we are all ministers in this time and that we are all vessels of the Holy Spirit and co-laborers with Christ in the yeah. hands and feet of Jesus. Yeah. And I just love that, you know, this missionary um you know, I wonder. I wonder why his um, his missionary, you know, trip or his missionary season ended. I wonder what that was like for this person to perhaps go back and then get a job as a cleaner. Were they discouraged by this? Mm-hmm. Were they? But but it seems like they weren't because they were at attention. They realized that they might be a cleaner in the season of their life, but they were still a missionary. That's so that They good. weren't off mission. Yes. That they were on. They were on mission more than ever, and that God had uniquely positioned them as the mouthpiece of the Lord and as the hands and feet of Jesus for this person. And I just love that that wouldn't have happened if this cleaner was clinging to, you know, what his role looked like in or a Or what he season. thought but it would this be. Cleaner, yeah. Exactly. But this cleaner had a revelation. I'm a man of God. You know, I'm a woman of God and I'm on mission at all times. Yeah. And whatever it looks like, whether it's what I thought it would be or not, whether I think my best years are behind me or not, like God has a unique purpose and mission for me right now. And so I'm going to step up to the plate and doing it. So I was so <laughs> moved by that. I am going to go You're watch it immediately it and it probably yeah. have an, my own little <laughs> weeping moment of just beauty of God using us where we are with what's in our hands so and he is just purposeful in all things. And that's so beautiful. I think it'd be awesome if you just pray. I think that there will be a lot of frontline workers listening. Would you just pray for them in this moment and yeah. let's, let's end there. Of course. Um, Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for all of these precious people who might be listening to this Lord and who have, um, who have said yes to the assignment in this season. Um, whether they felt like they were able to say no or not, Lord, I pray that they recognize that you have uniquely positioned them where they are. I thank you, Lord, for your protection over them and their families. We plead the blood of Jesus over them. And we pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit, your resurrection power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead that is operating within them um, would just blow through them, God, as they minister, as they work. Thank you, Jesus, that the work of their hands is holy. And thank you that the, yeah. your Holy Holy Spirit's wind would be as at their backs as they set about their assignment in this time. I thank you, Jesus, um, that, that they can take hold of Psalm 68, 19 in this season. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God who saves and that you are a God yeah. who daily bears our burdens. Yeah. So we pray your blessing upon them, your Holy Spirit, supernatural strength within and through them as they go about their days and their weeks. We pray your blessing and protection over their hearts. Households, and we thank you for them, Lord God. Our lives, um, may you may you get great praise from their lives offered up to you, Lord God. And we overflow with thanksgiving when we think of them and when we pray for them. So we commit them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I agree with that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Brooke. I love you so much. I can't tell you how much it thank means you. just love to be able so to much. talk to you. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, right back at you. Love you so much. Brooke is such a gift to us and to the church. And we are so grateful to get to glean from her life and devotion to Jesus. 
Check out Hillsong Worship wherever you get your music to hear more of Brooke's beautiful voice and songs. And please stay plugged in with The Grove on Instagram at PCC underscore The Grove. And we will catch you next time on The Grove Podcast.